Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello there and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes, and thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here and tuning in. This is season two, this is episode nine, and of course, I have a guest willing to open up and share their story of something they thought would break them, but it didn't. And one thing about this guest, as you will find out and discover, they give an accumulation of things, not this particular one event. And I really appreciate their perspective. I was also very excited to speak to this guest. And when you get a listen, you'll understand why. My guest today is Haz. Haz is just a man, a human. At 34 and having spent over 10 years climbing the career ladder and setting himself up for success, he realized something wasn't quite as it should be. He'd become very good at living the life he was supposed to live, being the man he was supposed to be and achieving what he was supposed to achieve, all the while becoming more disconnected with himself. It was time to make a change and that required going into his shadows, getting really effing honest (laughs) and opening up in a way he'd never been shown how. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. So hello, Hass, and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. Hey, nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you being here. I'm just going to tell you, the listener, it's so good to have an English person on here. I'm just going to say. <laughs> um, I'm going to be biased. But let's go ahead and get into the conversation. What is something you thought would break you, but it didn't? So this this is a, it's a really interesting question for me because I think that we naturally try and gravitate towards a, a, a significant experience, something seismic or um, that that was so significant that we felt like it was going to, you know, colour our future or be, be a, you know, uh, a feature of our past. Um, but to be honest, the first thing that came from, forward for me when I thought about this was that actually there isn't any one significant event. And I think that life has a way of building up, of accumulating over time, um, such that the pressure starts to build and that can reach a breaking point. Mm. Um, And so for me, it was really just a culmination of small, insignificant events, actions, micro traumas, whatever you want to call them, that were just constant. You know, and I always like to use the analogy of like a drop. And, and, you know, a drop by itself isn't going to do any damage. But if you keep hitting the same spot over and over and over again, and you don't really acknowledge the impact that's having, then eventually you're going to leave a really, really big mark. Um, And so for me, it was... A combination of of a lot of different factors over a long period of time and a little bit of neglect perhaps on my part that led me to a point where I realized that if I didn't reconnect with who I wanted to be and what was important to me then I was at risk of of breaking. Mm. 
So what were some of those small things? And I think I really love this, how you word it. Because, you know, there are people in here, they have one thing, but then even in their conversations, they talk about all the other things. So what do you feel like were those small things that contributed, were that drop, that constant drop of water? Yeah, absolutely. And Alan, to your point, I think, you know, we're not undermining some of the more significant and, you mm-hmm. know, market experiences in life, yeah. you know, war, abuse, all of these major events are, are obviously significant and we should absolutely how much of an impact they can have um, but even around those and even if you haven't had those um there are still all these other experiences and so when i look back and ultimately as part of my future as well it will be aspects of you know growing up feeling like i needed to be a certain way and you know one of the things that, that we connected on was perfectionism mm-hmm. and the notion that i always felt like i needed to strive to be the best at everything and there was absolutely no give and so when I tried something new, I needed to be good at it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got a new job, I needed to be the cream that rose to the top immediately. Um, I needed the best grades. I needed to be the best sportsman. Um, I needed to earn the most money. And it was also in terms of relationships. So needing to be the individual that everybody could rely upon. Mm-hmm. And as a result, being unable to be the individual that was able to rely on others. And then a culmination of the need to step into this idea, at least for me, of what it meant to be a man, which mm-hmm. was to have this sort of this hard independence and revoke the notion that I could also be interdependent and would actually need to rely upon and lean on those around me because that somehow undermined the idea I had in my head of who it was I was supposed to be and how people would judge me for it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this stuff came together for me. And I found that I was becoming someone that I didn't want to be almost more triggered and less um, aligned with the idea I had in my mind. And that perfectionist in me came roaring forward and basically just went, look at how far you are from where you should be. Mm. So it's a vicious cycle and the cycle was going down and I was spiraling and it got to a point where I realized that actually I needed to acknowledge something was not necessarily wrong, but not how it should be. And that's the point at which I decided, you know what, now is the time to to open up to myself before I can then start to open up to other people and think about, you know, what's out there for me to in order to, to help myself. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. One of the things I, and I think so many people can relate to the pressures and the expectations of life and what people are expecting from us. Um, and you also, also have a perspective of, a man and what is expected in the pressures, right? They're different. It can be hard to come out of these roles that they have for men and women. What was that like for you, this expectations and your experience of this is what men are meant to do or should be doing? And you're like, okay, I'll do it, but this is not me. Yeah, it's it's, so it's, it's interesting because it takes a little bit of perspective and I, I think experience to get to a point where you're even able to acknowledge that actually maybe the role that you're playing that you've been taught to play mm. isn't necessarily who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like you say, there are sort of gender roles irrespective of whether you're male or female. Um, but I do think we live in a current climate where the notion of toxic masculinity is thrown around very easily. And we've really started to 
assess the role of the man in society Mm -hmm. Um, and we're seeing you know women with a greater expectation of vulnerability and emotional connection and availability in men Um, but are we actually doing anything to allow the boys that become men to understand what that means for them are we allowing them to learn what it means to you know mature from a boy to a man and connect with your emotions and be vulnerable without undermining or relinquishing the idea that you're still a leader and a provider in perhaps a traditional sense, mm-hmm. notwithstanding the fact that women can also lead and provide. And, you know, the idea of polarity now we have is, is the notion of the masculine and the feminine and that one carries the other. Mm-hmm. You know, we can use yang as, as an example, if you like, of that balance. Um, but a lot of men, including myself, um, and particularly those who are beyond adolescence, if you like, have already gone through a school of thought, if you like, a school of experience that has has divorced them from that idea. You know, these are the guys that have been taught that life is a competition, you know, and, and only one person wins. And, you know, success equals victory, which means I am on top and you are below me. And, and that's a very male perspective. But it's not because men chose to be that way. It's because society taught them that that's how they got on top. And, you know, I hate to say it, but most men are respected for what they achieve, for what mm-hmm. they attain. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the money that drops into the bank every month or the house they live in or the car they drive or you know, the clothes that they wear, to put it really, really, uh, in a really shallow manner, um, not necessarily for their ability to connect with themselves and provide a loving and safe environment for family and friends. And it's reassuring to see that come in to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're a long, long way away from that actually being of real value. You know, we, we kind of pay a bit of lip service to it at the moment. Um, and so it's very difficult. You know, if I look back at me 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I know that the, this version of me now was in there he was more concerned with, you know, playing rugby and being the best player or, or, you know, out drinking his mates or being this sort of lone wolf that was available to others, but not really available to himself because that was weakness. And what I did was very quickly identify that, bury it and focus on what I felt other people needed to see because that was my marker for success. And it took a long time and a lot of effort to break that down. What was that like for you? you know, 10 years ago, not being able to call what they define as so-called weak and kind of push that to the side? Like, how did that impact you? Or did you even realize how that impacted you? I mean, to be honest, I think it's the latter initially. You don't really realize. And even now, there's this kind of notion of ignorance is bliss, mm-hmm. right? Because if you don't know what you don't know. And so you can't feel off the back of that. Um, and there is an attraction, you know, when I think about some of the sort of inner work and exploration that I've done, particularly over the last 12 months, um, which has not been comfortable. Mm-hmm. I have moments where I'm just like, man, if I just hadn't bothered, I'd probably be a lot happier right now, which is ridiculous, <laughs> if you like. But but it's that idea that ignorance is bliss. Like I wouldn't have ruffled the feathers, you know, I wouldn't have opened the can of worms and therefore there wouldn't be all of this other stuff I need to deal with. But back then I used to think of myself as maybe a little bit more, more emotional than other people and other men. Mm-hmm. And as that, that is a bad thing. That is a kind of, you know, let's let's just, you know, curb that a little bit, put it to one side and focus on what we can control in this ultra competitive world of men. But as a result, I think we now live in a world where men have almost paralyzed themselves. Like we live in this voluntary paralysis of that we can't be seen to be wanting or going after the things that we truly desire. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we need to be we need to be quite blase and unaffected by the world around us and just expect all of these beautiful things, whether they're material or emotional, to fall into our laps. 
So that struggling isn't attractive, you know? Mm, Putting yourself out there isn't attractive because it's weakness, because it's going to open you up and and leave you vulnerable. Um, Ironically, that's all any of us really want to do, in my opinion. What we actually Mm. really want to do is just pull the barrier down a little bit and show ourselves, be seen for who we are. Um, As a man, that is an extremely difficult thing to do. Yeah. Wow. What you're saying resonates so much with um, a conversation a friend was having. And and he was saying exactly what you're saying in the sense that men have been shown to live one way. And now all these other things is like to show your emotions of that. And it's really impacting them in like, uh, well, what do I do? Because I was told this to be strong and not be weak. And now I'm being told that I have to be a bit vulnerable and show my emotions. And I can only just imagine how confusing that can be. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and naturally so, right? But what I will say is that there is a dual responsibility there. It's not just on society and it's not just on men. It's on mm-hmm. both. That mm-hmm. as men, we need to be accountable and turn around and go, do you know what? We recognize this in ourselves. You know, we have a hatred for patriarchy and we recognize that perhaps we haven't been shown or taught how to be more comfortable in our own own emotions and connect with those of others. So let's go and learn, mm-hmm. if you like, and, and, and actually step into what is also an element of our own vulnerability. Then the other side of it is that societally, if you like, from a community perspective, we need to be able to reinforce that in, in terms of how we treat boys and men kind of through the adolescent stage as well, because it's not going to work otherwise, because otherwise yeah. you're going to have a load of men stepping into this that are going to be ostracized because the rest of society is going, hold on a minute, like, you know, go and get a job in a nice car, you know what I mean, and watch sport at the weekend, and, and that's yeah. it, if you like. And then the other side, if you like, is if, if society is pushing for this and men aren't, is men are just going to end up in this vicious spiral, if you like, of becoming very hateful and disconnected from the world around them, which we're seeing examples of, I think, at the moment. Um, and so it's really important that this is done in a kind of a coordinated, if you like, but authentic manner. Like society really wants to see better connected men. It needs to start valuing them. Mm. And if men want to be better connected, they need to recognize that that is a part of their their manhood, their manliness, um, not something that's going to inhibit it or undermine it. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for, for sharing that. So you get into the space and you kind of said that life was getting the better of you with all of these expectations what was that moment or moments you decided to make this shift? What was kind of going on when you said, okay, I can't do this anymore? So for me, I think it was it was a realization actually um, in two ways. So one was that, that I actually, I think for a long time, it felt that I'd become quite a disaffected individual. You know, despite the fact that I carried on like performing, you know, in inverted commas and doing okay in life, as as the world would, would judge me, um, I was quite disaffected, and I think I became quite triggered, and and there was a, a kind of a sense of misery underlying most of what I did. I just didn't. I wasn't a happy man. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side was that things that would previously have brought me a sense of achievement or pride no longer did that. And you know, for me, there was a, a marker a couple of years ago where I did. Um, uh, a long and ultra marathon effectively which is something that there was a, a major kind of you know training cycle and, and a stepping stone in terms of the physical achievement and the sort of thing I'd always kind of wanted to do and I remember getting it done and I, I just want to say I'll never be doing another one again um, <laughs> but, um, uh, but I remember getting it done and you know I had friends around me and you know it was a pretty major accolade all of that sort of thing but I sat in bed that evening by myself and felt nothing 
Like I remember sitting there and reflecting and going, why don't I feel pride or achievement or, you know, like this full four month training cycle and everything that went into it has finally, you know, hit its pinnacle. And, and I realized that I was just wasn't able to, to recognize my achievement because mm-hmm. it felt like there should be either more to it or it should have been faster or it should have been better in some way. And then I actually went on what I'd say is a pretty slippery slope for the, for the next eight months, which mm-hmm. was really me just kind of going further and further down that spiral, which is where kind of the perfectionism connection comes in for me, because I realized quite quickly that I'd always struggled to recognize any achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about, you know, getting a, a six figure salary job or, you know, like, you know, winning, winning medals or, or being a you know, great career sportsman or an influencer. None of that. I mean, everyday achievements they're the ones that count you know Mm -hmm. the the conversations that we have with ourselves are built on those micro achievements that make us who we are that reinforce our worth um and so for me it was that culmination if you like of of actually i got to a point where despite how outwardly my life looked great you know Mm -hmm. like like things Mm -hmm. things were good inwardly i was deeply dissatisfied with who i was um how i was showing up and because I had these standards that meant you needed to be better and show up to this level, and that gap was growing, I just became worse and worse. Um, mm. And to be honest, there was one point where the relationship, the relationship I was in at the time, I lost my temper and just unloaded verbally at my partner for no reason really, like over a minor issue. And when that situation ended and I came out of it, and that evening I went and sort of played some sport, came back and apologized, but I had a moment immediately after I just went, where the, where the hell did that come from? But what was that about? Like how, how did I manage to lose control of my emotions in such a way so as to afflict such sort of verbal abuse? Cause ultimately that's what it was on somebody that I hold so dear. And that for me was the point in which I went, right, I need to go deeper into this because this is no longer something that I can ignore. Um, we need to find out why. Um, and what it really means. And that's what I lifted the little bit. Has the need for things to be perfect prevented you from something that you wanted to do? Sing karaoke, write a book, create a podcast, but you just don't feel like you have enough or you know enough or that you're even enough? I get it. I have been in the depths of perfectionism where I attach my performance to my self-worth. So, I wrote the ebook I wish I had when I first discovered I was struggling with perfectionism. In It's Okay to Be Imperfect, I help you identify and understand perfectionism in your life so that you can successfully manage your thoughts. It includes practical tips and resources to implement in your daily life for you to take back your life from perfectionism and begin to truly see yourself outside of your performance. Grab your copy of It's Okay to Be Imperfect. Link is in the show notes. So, okay, you lifted the lid. (laughs) I just want everyone listening to know it's not that easy to lift the lid. So as you've even mentioned, like sometimes you've thought about going back because I'm like why am I even doing this because it is very vulnerable it's scary it's I don't know what's at the end because I've never done this so what was like your first step or steps to lifting that lid off 
Yeah, no, and I, I, I want to echo what you just said. It is not like, I mean, I may, I may have made that sound easy. Um, and it's not, if you know what I mean. Like, and I, I want to say again, particularly as a guy, like this is something I was ashamed of. Not just the act that I just described because, well, you know, why wouldn't you? But I carried a huge amount of shame for the idea that I needed to lift the lid or that I needed to explore or, you know, because immediately you default to this idea that you're broken um, and therefore you need fixing rather than the notion perhaps that, you know, you're good as you are, you know, you're, you're not, you're not, you've not suddenly become a bad person or somehow turned into somebody that people aren't going to like or respect. If anything, and it takes a little while to get there, it's quite the opposite because you've got the humility to go, do you know what? Things aren't quite as I'd like them to be and I'm not quite who I want to be. And I'm going to do something about that instead of pretending that the problem is out there mm-hmm. and not here. And so for me, the first step I took was to, speak to an occupational therapist um, because I needed to find an environment where I felt like it was objective and disconnected from my life um, for me to kind of be able to to open up about things that I didn't realize I needed to open up about yet if you know what I mean so that was kind of the the first port of call Um, and actually I'll be honest that 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 first conversation I had wasn't a good one Mm. you know it made it made me feel like that the response I got was quite a quite a what I thought was a robust response of like oh you know must just be a little bit of a depressive episode do the do x y and z there's medication I just thought well actually you're, you're missing the point here um I actually need an environment where I need to kind of delve into that combination of kind of events that I've described rather than mm-hmm. this idea that I need to put this down to you know a bad patch and maybe you know change a few habits or or take a um, an antidepressant and then hope things get better in a few months um so i could easily have turned away at that point right. um but i was i was convinced there was more to it and fortunately um i stuck with it good i'm glad you didn't turn away because i know that happens i always tell people you know therapy you have to it's like Sometimes it's like dating. You have to kind of find the right person (laughs) that's going to help you and that you connect with because the um, therapeutic relationship is the biggest and most important thing in, in, in the change process. So the occupational therapist didn't work, but you knew that you needed more. You knew it. And I love that part that you share that you just knew within you. And, you know, I always say to people, you have the answers and you've got to kind of trust yourself so where did you go next or where did you find that help that really began to make the difference yeah so I almost I I kind of want to put this down to luck to a certain extent but I've always (laughs) been a a curious individual and so I've always always had enough curiosity to wonder um what different modalities let's call them may Mm -hmm. mean or what kind of impact they can have and that sort of thing and so I started to explore you know what the best place I found was Instagram actually kind of socials um and just and just coming across different people what they might stand for uh, and then Instagram does an amazing job of feeding you the information that you want to see as well yeah. so you know, yeah. once, once you start you decide it's kind of coming at you and actually in fairness you really need to sift through some of that but I started to look at uh, what could be available to me and I ended up gravitating towards what you probably call men's work Oh, um, never heard of it. And, but. and it's it's this notion of kind of, of inner work effectively. So basically looking at what mature masculinity actually means, how one transitions from, you know, infancy, boyhood into mature masculinity and actually holding myself to an honest standard of, mm-hmm. of who I was authentically versus the version of myself that I was containing up, up in my head, which naturally I think all of us, we tend to strip away all of the negative aspects of who we are 
when we consider ourselves and, and sort of the avatar that we're pushing out into the world, and which is convenient because, you know, you've got a semi-perfect version of yourself just sort of out there, but that's not who you are. Let's be honest. And, you know, it's a bit like a new relationship where for the first few months you are yeah. <laughs> you're rep- Yeah, you're representative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly absolutely and then and then the truth starts to starts to creep in if you know what i mean and and i feel like you do the same at an individual level just on a much larger scale and on a longer term um and so that was my first book call i had a discovery call with someone a men's coach effectively and started to dive into this and it really resonated with me and i started to dive into this idea of actually who am i really um and who do i want to be in terms of my north star and how do i get from where i am right now to where I want to be, noting, of course, that you never arrive. And that was another notion, if you like, like arrival is, is a fallacy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, an, it's, you know, it's an ongoing process, which can be intimidating to some people, right? It sounds like hard work, mm-hmm. um, but it, it is hard work at the yeah. end of the day. I mean, like, like there's, there's no other way to describe it. Um, but yeah, that for me was kind of the next port of call. And I explored other areas. And actually, I want to say at the same time, I continued with what I consider sort of lighter touch occupational therapy talking mm-hmm. therapy which was just an opportunity to talk about how I was feeling what was coming up for me but at the same time I went down this path of kind of the inner work shadow work men's works for okay that's so good no I've never heard of men's work but the way that you're describing it sounds very intriguing I'm also a very curious person hence why I'm a therapist <laughs> but um I'm definitely going to look into that and I love that that idea of looking at the question yourself and what is masculinity and things like that so was there um was there any ever a time when you was doing this and even now today like you said when you like especially at the beginning when you were like okay I don't want to do this anymore I'm just going to go back to and like you went to go back or did you just keep going um <laughs> the short answer is yes um, <laughs> but, and I think I think I don't know we live in this world right where we're it's twofold so firstly and we've come we've touched on this it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know a bit like when you go to the gym right and you start to crank the weights up you know it's uncomfortable you know when when you when you leave and you get home you've got like you know muscle ache and soreness and all of this sort of thing is uncomfortable if you want to avoid that discomfort you don't go back to the gym you know and similarly like when, when you're having these sessions when you're diving into yourself and you know you're uncovering things about you that you either locked away or decided to sort of cut away because they were uncomfortable to see that's not going to fill you with it with a sense of joy and happiness and you know a warm fuzzy feeling it's going to be uncomfortable and so the easy thing to do is to push away from that mm-hmm. and go do you know what i've 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 kind of kicked the dust up a little bit, but but no more for me. And yeah, definitely. And I remember having this conversation with my with my coach at the time and saying, look, I, sometimes I wish I was still asleep is the way I think I put it. Mm. Because because you wake up and, and when you wake up, you know, you see the real world to a certain extent. And and, and that that can be quite quite a challenge. But the other side I think is is I'm a big believer if if it's not worth doing, if it's not easy, um, if it's easy, sorry. Um, so it's this idea that there's got to be a challenge along the way, otherwise you're probably going up the wrong path. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so from that perspective, yeah, it's a constant challenge, and that's why it takes a bit of discipline. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not going to be motivated to do it every day. Again, a bit like who gets up for work every day? Goes, yes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sometimes you're like, do you know what? This is going to pay the bills. I've got to get on with it. Like I'm going to go through the motions. The other side, I think, is um, convenience. We live in a world that expects results immediately. 
you know, mm-hmm. like like so much of whether it's technological advancement or how we try and kind of convenience our lives about getting things done as quickly as possible mm-hmm. um, and putting as little effort in as possible. And so I think when you go down a path like this, whether it's therapy or otherwise, people expect results really quickly. You know, mm-hmm. like it's like it's almost like bang, done. Yeah. Okay, we've had two seconds, yeah. am I fixed? Yeah. You know, like and it's a case of like, well, you need to really reassess how this is going to work, because if if you're 20 years old, for example, you know, then you've got 20 years of of gathered experience. You've got your family of origin, like everything culminating to that point. You know, even if you're really cheerful, happy individual, as the case may be, the idea that you're going to unpack all of that in two hours is preposterous. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think we still have that notion, right? Of, yeah. It should be relatively quick. Um, and so I think that's also an easy trigger for you to kind of give up and be like, oh, it's not working. You know, I've done this for a month already and it's just not, it's not working for me. So I think patience is a massive factor as well. Okay. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. So was there anything else along the way, you know, on this journey that has been helpful for you? Um, any people in your life or anything like that? Yeah. Um, I think that it's important that you recognize what's what's kind of valuable what's good in, in your life and and i know for some individuals at certain points but most individuals actually at certain points sometimes it can be difficult to do that mm-hmm. um because because of the perspective where you're at at the moment um for me it was important that i communicated what i was doing um and to a certain extent why to the people mm-hmm. in my life some people in my life even though that was one of the most difficult things to do you know like like getting the lads my friends around me to be like by the way like I've just gone and done this therapy session because of this and you know the faces the looks the fear like these are not conversations as again particularly men are used to having Mm -hmm. between themselves absolutely not maybe with significant others or family more so but only to a very limited extent um but it was important for me to vocalize that so that it wasn't this sort of isolated and um in some way sort of fringe or shadowy thing that I was doing actually mm-hmm. it was just a very normal thing for, for a man to be stepping into a space that he hadn't been before but for very good reason and I've got to be honest doing that resulted in so many people turning around and saying you know what? I'm, I'm curious about that um wow. actually that could work for me and and people coming out of the woodwork both that I knew and I didn't know um which really really reassures you as an individual and you know look we're human beings external validation counts I don't care what you say Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and just so, just so through that that loop, it was really, really important. Um, the other thing for me is I created the Instagram page that we connected as a result of, yeah. and that was, and that was, that's a huge amount of discomfort. Like that, the only way I can describe that is that I am not kind of Instagram savvy or <laughs> social media orientated or any of those sorts of things. And you know, creating content like that isn't isn't naturally what I'd like to be doing, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it helped. It helped hugely because it was an outlet for me to vocalize or, you know, write down or whatever you want to call it, the things that I was thinking about, working through, working on in an environment where I didn't need a captive audience, but I was able just to put it out there. Yeah. Um, and it almost created a bit of community. Um, I ended up connecting with lots of different individuals that were much more like minded. And from that perspective, you realize that, you know, you're not alone. You never have been, even when you've stepped into this space. Um, but it did take that initial like I just need to get over this edge of, of fear um, because on the other side of it and I guarantee this for everyone on the other side of it you will find others who've been waiting for you to arrive oh that's so powerful 
on the other side of it, you will find that you um you'll find others who have been waiting for you to arrive. Yeah. That's so powerful. That is, you know, and it so falls in line with the whole point of this podcast. I always tell people, that's why I pick people aligned. Like you're not alone. There is someone else who's going through this or has gone through this or has a similar story. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be exactly the same. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. So where are you today? Where a million dollar question. Say- <laughs> where would you say you are? Um, do you know what? Like it's, there's one of the things I've learned more recently is is as part of the human condition, you know, and I don't want to kind of overuse that term is that is that we will always find ourselves in where we're supposed to be, I think mm-hmm. is the first place I'll start. And and that was a while ago, that was a difficult thing for me to acknowledge, you know, particularly if you're in a you're in a tough spot, or, you know, things aren't necessarily looking up for you, or you've gone through a really troubling time, and that it happens. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we need to accept that life is going to throw up some tough cards sometimes. The people we care about will leave, you know, family will pass, all those sorts of things. And those experiences will not feel good. Mm-hmm. But accepting that, I think, allows us to prepare for the fact that we're not supposed to be elated and joyful and content all of the time. And that's been a major realisation and acceptance for me over the last, say, 12 to 18 months. Because I do think as well, and a slight tangent is that we do kind of live in a world now where we're in relentlessly pursuing happiness. Mm, like okay. everyone's kind of just assuming that the way they should feel as many hours of the day as possible is skipping through the day you know everything's amazing and it's just not true no you know, it's just not true and it can't be as well right it can't be true because if it was then we wouldn't have any notion of what happiness was because we'd mm. feel it the whole time mm-hmm. um and so for me I've got to a point now where I'm much more comfortable being where I'm at at any given point in time and there will be some days, like all of us, so you'll get up and you'll feel a little bit disaffected, a little bit disconnected. Sometimes I can put my finger on it. Maybe I've not slept well or I've, you know, there's a lot of pressure from work or, you know, I've just been mulling over and, and overthinking certain situations and creating a bit of pressure that doesn't need to be there. Um, on other days, I'll get up and just be like, you know what, life is good. I feel content. Mm-hmm. I'm so cognizant of what, what I need to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to take the dog out for a walk and the sun is singing and all of these sorts of things. And 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 I'll, I'll also lean into that, if you like. Um, and so where I'm at right now is I'm able to lean into wherever my emotions take me. And I'm also able to step back and reflect on how I'm feeling. You know, that, the idea of thoughts about thoughts. Mm. rather than mm. rather than believing the way we feel or the way we're thinking you kind of step back and go oh, okay that thought's floated in you know like what's that trying to tell me what how does that feel and I can let that go I can hold on to it you know I'll play with it a little bit but it's not me you know mm. and, then, and then you start to build a bit of an awareness because you realize that actually three days ago I was up here mm-hmm. you know and today I'm down here but in three days time I could be back up here like and, and the cycle continues and don't get me wrong, there are things you can do, you learn about yourself, right? How you affect your your own sense of worth and contentment. You know, a big thing for me is is exercise, physical mm-hmm. exercise and, and keep it moving. Um, journaling is important to me as well. So these are habits that I've built in. But I think it's really, really important to, to emphasize that whether it's me, whether it's you, whether it's the gurus on Instagram or the guys giving the TED Talks, we all have bad days. We all have yeah. days where we don't feel like we're getting it right, where we feel like we are unworthy, you know, where we feel like people are maybe, you know, talking about us or, or all of those sorts of insecurities start to uh, surface. 
And so I am in exactly that place right now where when that comes up for me, I remember that it's not necessarily true. Maybe it's going to hold me accountable for a few things, but my life is like it should be a part of the human condition. Um, and the ability to accept that now has left me with so much more peace than I would have had 18 months ago. Wow. That is so, that's so good. That's, it's life. I love how you share that because it's life and we try to go into this perfect state um, and yeah. thinking things have to be be perfect and, and it's not how it is and adjusting to those highs and those lows. So is there anything, you've said a lot of great stuff, but is there anything you would like the listener to know? It's a difficult question. Um, And I think that the reason for that is because we are all so individual. Mm -hmm. Um, But actually, the unifying factor is that we are all rowing the same boat. Mm -hmm. You know, like ultimately, no matter where you are, no matter your station in life um, or what may be going for you or not going for you at this point in time, we are still united in the human connection. Um, and so I think the big emphasis for me, and it kind of kind of what we started with as well, is that every single moment counts in life. And I mean, not in terms of making the most of it, which goes without saying, but also do not discount or discredit the experiences you've had previously and how they may be influenced and affecting how you show up today and how you might show up tomorrow. All of it counts. And so when people turn around and go, oh, you know, you've had an easy life. There's no such thing. You've had a hard life. There's no such thing. You've had a life. And a life is an individual experience. And it's a culmination of those to this point today. And so I think people need to give themselves a bit more credit for the life that they've lived. Stop looking left. Stop looking right. And just focus on you Mm -hmm. um, and try and be present with that and show yourself a little bit more compassion. We live in a punishing world that teaches us that we should be doing more always. Mm. We should be achieving more always. And every now and again, we should post a snap of it on Instagram to make everyone else feel bad about it, you know? Um, and so I think that taking a step back and going, I'm, I'm enough. I woke up today and I'm going to give it my best. No yeah. one else can ask any more of me. I love that. That's so raw, so real, so powerful. And I thank you for sharing. Um, something you said about perfectionism is that... Um, Perfectionism is a standard that didn't exist and you're fighting a losing battle. Um, And something you also said that really resonated is that perfectionism is grief and the opposite of perfectionism is kindness. And that is literally that life you're explaining. Is it hard life or is it an easy life? That's that black and white. And it's just life. It's this rainbow of life and I think your your quotes and your things like that just just say that. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Wonderful conversation. <laughs> so last question, or actually Absolutely. two more questions, is what is something that is messy in your life today? So it could be emotional, it could be something physical. What would you say that is? Uh, I'll go emotional because that's kind of kind of what resonates with me most. Probably won't surprise you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the messiest thing I think emotionally in my life right now is romantic relationships. Mm. Um, and I'm really happy to be honest about that. And, and what I mean by that is that I haven't got how I want to show up in them and how I need them to be a part of my life or want them to be a part of my life figured out. Mm. Um, and it's messy. It's messy in here. It's messy in here. And it's messy out there. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm, you know, I'm comfortable 
with that fact that I'm comfortable that I'm going to work my way through it, that, you know, what's meant for you will find me. Um, but it's also about cultivating um, the environment that I want for that, for that relationship and being the man that I think I need to be to attract the sort of relationship I'm looking for. Okay. Thank you. Romantic relationships. Ooh, that's a big one. That's a big one. <laughs> so has, where can people shower you with love? Where can they find you? <laughs> All the love. Um, so Human Down is the Instagram page um, that I try and put a lot of kind of this content on. Um, so that's at Hugh underscore man underscore down. And that's really just, you know, me trying to be me, me trying to be vulnerable, um, live my truth. And hopefully people connect with me on that. Um, so that's kind of the primary place. And and I guess for me, the important thing with that is if you do come across it, feel free to kind of drop a message or reach out or you know, say what you're going through. The idea when I started it was to be interactive rather than just kind of, you know, throw content at people. Um, and yeah, I'd love to hear more about how other people are, are going through some of the stuff we've talked about or doing things differently. You know, I want to learn from everybody as much as anybody may learn from me. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure and we will put your information in the show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Privilege to have had the conversation. That was so good, wasn't it? So, so, so good. Um, as you can guess, he is from England. So it was good to hear a fellow Londoner speaking. Um, he's from England, I believe. Yeah, I believe he's from London too. So that was good. Um, and I'm sure all of you Americans love that because I know you love the English accent. So takeaways from the show. First of all, Haz was talking about he wasn't even aware of the cycle that he was in, um, the performance he was focusing on, that he wasn't being true to himself. And it took, you know, some time and the build up. So I want to share that as a reminder to you, if you're listening to this or you um, are not sure if this is for you, or if you are someone who is beating yourself up because you wish you knew earlier, sometimes you just don't know. So hopefully you can be more kinder and more patient with yourself. The other thing is that he talked about the accumulation of things is what he thought would break him. So it wasn't just this one time event. Um, and I think it's so important that we highlight that. I talk about that often with clients that, you know, trauma is not about this one thing that happened to you or your, your frustration is not about one thing. It's about an accumulation of things that happen over the years consistently. And so I'm glad that we touched on that on his story. And then the other thing is that he talked about the men's work, right? And redefining masculinity and what it means for him and connecting to his emotional side of him and how valuable that is and how, you know, it's interesting and, and good for him, but also tough in the process. So it was a very great conversation. I'm very much appreciative of him. If you are too, please, please, please tag him. Let him know that you were inspired and what you took away way and don't forget to tag me too. authentically be you and share this with a friend a family member I'm sure you have someone who um, would very much appreciate this and this is male or female because I think it matters to all of us humans so thank you so much for tuning into the podcast
Were you inspired by this story? Here are some ways you can shower me and the podcast with your appreciation and support. Follow, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Share the podcast via text with your people, with your tribe. Subscribe to the newsletter where I share my personal stories of discovering the beauty within the mess. And lastly, follow me on Instagram at AuthenticallyBU for tips and insights on overcoming perfectionism so you can embrace your imperfections and authentically be you. Thank you so much for listening to the It Didn't Break Me podcast and remember to discover the beauty within the mess.